Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charged Up Studio. We've got another exciting episode here for you, and this is Dana Oliva with Marketatomy, LLC, and my co-host... Cinder Dorsey with Cinder Capital Limited. Welcome back. Very good. We've got an exciting segment for you today. We are gonna, we've got two gentlemen with us that are both politicians right now um, that we're going to kind of do an open dialogue on small business and the challenges that small business owners face when starting their business. Both of them have had businesses, and so they can speak personally to what the challenges are. Um, We've got Grant Malloy, who happens to be the Seminole County Clerk of Circuit Court and Comptroller. Thanks for having me here this morning. I also own Gabriella Growers. It's a foliage nursery over in the Vito area. Exactly. And then we also have back Yukon Zhao, who is currently... What is your position you're going for? I'm running for the U.S. Congress for Florida 7th District. Very good. Very good. Sorry, I just I lost my notes here, so I couldn't remember. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me. So both of you um, have had businesses in the past or you currently have it. I know that, that your, your nursery is still going. Um, Greg, tell me a little bit about you spent 20 years, you said? Oh, I, I I still own it now, but about right. 25 years running it. Running yes. it. Mm-hmm. And so I know um, from experience, I've worked with nurseries in the past, and I know that they went through an economic situation back in the early 80s, late 70s, right. that type deal. And a lot of them ended up shutting their door, much like the architectural engineering construction market went through in this most recent recession. So talk to me a little bit about the challenges starting a nursery and 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 your small business, not necessarily just a nursery, but your small businesses. What are the challenges that as an owner you faced? Well, there's all sorts of challenges when you when you go out on your own. I grew up the the, the one of the benefits I had is I grew up uh, working in my dad's business and I got a good role model of, you know, what to do and what not to do. So when I ventured out on my own, you know, you're the one of the thing about being a business owner is you're taking a lot of risk. You know, you're you're putting your sweat and your time and the little money you have and investing in it. So my dad helped me get started, but from then on, it you know I took care of it myself. So uh, when I entered it, though back then, my thought was I wanted to get into a nursery business, mainly foliage production, interior tropicals, and I thought, hey. All these baby boomers are going to be retiring. They're going to get into gardening. This thing's going to take off. And like you said, back in the 80s and and 90s there, the prices were flat. There was an oversupply. And uh, you just had to watch every penny because your costs were going up each year. 
and you couldn't squeeze out a lot higher prices when you're we were wholesale, you know, selling at wholesale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you enter in some of the big. Uh, there was a consolidation. Uh, some of the big guys came in, uh, like Herman Engelman. They had a million square foot of greenhouses. We had, you know, an acre. Wow. So what we had to do, and I learned from my dad, was try to find a niche market, do something that right. somebody else wasn't doing, and go for that. Right. So there's all sorts of challenges. And well, we have, and at the, at the mm-hmm. same time, I, if I'm not mistaken, we went through some some pretty cold winters there. Cold winters. That yeah. you could not control, and that damages the crops a lot if you're not paying attention. Well, yet with, with ours, they're climate controlled, but we had to spend a lot of money on gas. Obviously, right. the citrus didn't make it. Uh, I remember as a kid, you'd smell those flowers bloom around here, and you don't smell that anymore. And then, like a lot of people, they also got older. They started retiring in the industry, and they found out their property is worth a lot more, especially in the Apopka area or even Oviedo. Oviedo used to have about eight nurseries. Right. Uh, I'm the last wholesale nursery left. And you can sell it more for development than you can uh, producing products, uh, especially when the market's flat. Exactly. Things have changed a lot recently. I can talk about that. Right, later. right, right. Having having participated in that industry on the marketing advertising side, I saw a lot of the changes that went on. So, um, Yukon, talk a little bit about the business that you were wor- working with. Is it your nieces or yours or what? Uh, basically, I'm also a small business owner. After I left Siemens uh, in 2018, I started a real estate investment company called Golfway International LLC. So, you know, I was somewhat fortunate because I had uh, like more than 20 year strategic manage- management experience with Siemens. So I knew how to like conduct market analysis, but I think the challenging I'm f- I'm faced with is more regulatory compliance. Mm-hmm. For right. example, how to you know file your tax return, how to e- issue your like one uh, one zero ninety nine. Right, a lot of things is uh, unknown for me. But I want to also give some credit to the wonderful American system. In comparison with my home country, you know, here we have much less like a barrier for people to enter the business. Enter the market. So to enter the market, right? So right now I'm more concerned about potential like over-regulation. For example, I'm in the real estate investment, like in California, right? Uh, When there's affordable housing challenges, the government takes a socialist approach to control the rent, right? To give more a lot of leniency to the tenants. Mm. Tenants over there can stay there one year without paying the rent, right? Mm -hmm. End of the day, you know, there's no investor are you know encouraged, incentivized to. To, uh, to build more apartment. Absolutely. In this case, they got huge uh, shortages there. So I guess, the, you know, one is compliance, uh, like regulatory compliance. Another, my concern is over-regulation, right. using the non-market approach. That yeah. would be my major concern. Yeah, the good thing about the United States is that each state regulates. It's It has its own set of regulations. So in the United States, fortunately for us, we can move according to our own preference. But unfortunately, China is just one big governing body. And if those who I feel are leading in that direction, imagine if California looked like Florida, Texas looked like New York, we would have no choice. And on that note, it's at the end of the day, you're no longer partnering with the um, with the government, which I feel does have a voice in 
and, you know, and helping us maintain some seeming uh, a balance, you see. Um, you know, because I think some people would definitely take advantage of it more if government didn't intervene. We're not at the point where humans can actually um, automatically autopilot have integrity. And some of us do. But um, for the most part, you know, we we are, you know, subject to a lot of times, you know, to greed and, um, and, and how can I say, selfishness. So the government does help with that. Of course, one of the conversations we had earlier about, you know, it's, you know, if big business fails, government intervening bails them out. But what about small business? What happens right. to that? Yeah, exactly. Right. That That's something I don't think it's appreciated and, and, and something that makes small business owners like myself uh, upset. You know, right. I, why is it, say, in, in Seminole County, every business owner pays uh, an occupational license fee and that gets put in a fund uh, that they call economic development. And mm-hmm. then, the you know, county politicians hand out handouts to companies like AT&T. Right. You know, to me, it's kind of like legalized yes, stealing. No. When you're a yeah. business owner, you take on all the risk. Nobody guarantees you a minimum wage. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to pay both sides of the social security tax, which your, your empl- uh, employee usually, mm-hmm. you know, they don't see that, but you have to pay the whole 12 and a half percent. So there's a, you know, you take all the risk. There's no bailout for you as a private business owner. So I think that's why you see a lot of business owners like myself tend to have a more independent attitude. Right. And want to be left alone and let's, you know, let's do our job. Let's, you know, solve problems, move on. And I also have a theory. I think a lot of immigrants that come here have not learned or not been told, rather, that they can't succeed, you know, or things are unfair. They come here, correct me if I'm wrong, and you say, oh, my gosh, I was persecuted. I can come here and I can be you know, I, I, who I want to be. I can make a difference. Right. I can succeed. Absolutely. And they haven't come through this system of, of you know, hearing on the news or, or hearing through politicians how you can't do anything unless we do something for you. They haven't heard that message. Right. They come here and they're excited because it is still a land of yeah. opportunity. Exactly. And when you think about it, um, you know, uh, as a small business owner, you know, and as a strategist, as I am, and working with these small micro businesses, a lot of times, they are so wrapped up inside the business, chasing, mm-hmm. ch- chasing checks and making sure that they keep things moving, that they don't pay attention to what's going on right. around them. So That's when where it, fatigue comes in, right? Right. And that's where the fatigue comes in. They get so tired. They feel as though they're running a race and they're t- every step forward, they're taking two steps backwards because they don't feel as that they're in a vacuum. They feel that they're in a vacuum. Yeah, related to this issue, I want to also address to the like hold our government accountable, right? Yeah. My niece, she opened a restaurant in New York about two years ago. That was a concern about like a gas pipeline leak. But the government was not responsive. It took them more than three months to try to address that issue. During that time, she ended up paying the rent and share the burden with the owners, right? So we should not really, you know, leaning towards, I mean, Florida. We should really be, be continue maintaining our responsiveness. We should not grow a big government later on become a bureaucracy and do not really respond to small business owners. That is one concern I also have. Right. 
Right. So, exactly. You know, you think about a state, of course, you know, when we talk about big government, we always automatically, you know, redirect our focus to California. And when you think about it, I, you know, I heard on the news that small business owners in in Los Angeles specifically are having a tremendous ordeal with having to deal with, you know, certain regulations that prevent them from removing people from their sidewalks into in because they're losing customers because they are such a high rate of homelessness and these people have the liberty and i say first of all the government should pay attention to the homelessness problem in in um in the united states but that's another podcast but um that said <laughs> yeah. yeah as a small business owners you're finding goliath because you are trying to operate a business but you're watching customers walk away when the love government saying i'm protecting you when they're really not so right. it's something about you know it, you want you don't want to be a vigilante because you definitely pay taxes and you want those taxes to serve you when necessary so it can either of you talk about that? I mean, have you had to give up at some point and just, um, against your better judgment, comply with the government when you felt like it wasn't really necessarily serving your business? Well, the nice thing about being in agriculture is we're not, uh, in, this, in a small business, we're kind of exempt from certain rules because uh, it's a right to farm state. And if you're right. on A1 property, um, there is some flexibility we have that if we had a retail store, for instance, you get get really hammered. And you can see the, you know, right. The, uh, right. with my dad's store, I remember they came in, the fire inspectors one day, and they told them, hey, you don't have uh, the lighted exit signs. You know, the rules would change each year. Mm -hmm. So, but it was funny because every door in the building went outside anyhow. So they were all exits, but, you know, you had to put that you know, wire it up and put that in there. You have to have the one fountain that's six inches below the other. If you see those in store, you know, be ADA mm -hmm. compliant. I remember when they first came out with the ADA rules, they talked about uh, it was going to apply to greenhouses. Well, if you have to put a, uh, a, an aisle down every greenhouse, that's, yeah. you know, that's not going to work. That it could fit a wheelchair. It's, mm -hmm. it's just impractical. Obamacare was an example where I, I had uh, affordable uh, insurance on the private market where, uh, it was catastrophic. I could afford it. And then when that came through, it was eliminated. Mm -hmm. Then they said you could bring it back. So they brought it back and then it cost twice as much. <laughs> right. So literally, that's what happened. So government tends to get in the way and mess things up. What government should do is back to the basics. Enforce contracts. Stop, you know, you from being robbed from somebody right. else, you know, uh, promote a free enterprise, you know, get out of the way, but protect people from being being harmed or stolen from others and just right. kind of stick in that narrow, right. narrow lane. Right. Clean the streets. Well, when, when, when um, you know, when we're looking at our environment and how it affects our business, you know, it's not all doom and gloom and, and regulations and mm -hmm. things like that. There could also be positive aspects that might be happening, you know, what we call um, uh, opportunities out in the market. And you running a nursery, and I might be opening up a whole can of worms here, mm -hmm. <laughs> but right now, Florida's going through the marijuana, legalized mm -hmm. marijuana mm -hmm. uh, aspect. And talk about regulations on what can, who can grow and who can't and, you know, oh, and yeah. things like that. Talk a little bit about there's an opportunity there for nurseries who have been in existence for a while, right? Well, they when they wrote the law, and I haven't checked it recently, but it was written so that only a handful of nurseries could actually get into that market, mm -hmm. and you had to grow like a million plants and been around for so many years, and I think that was only like five nurseries in the state. Right. Uh, what it has done, though, is inversely has kind of helped us out because there was so much square footage that went into growing you know, pot production. You can say that's good or bad, but that's what happened. And mm -hmm. so the remaining nurseries, like ourselves, have had – 
higher demand because right. there's less foliage out there. Right. Plus, we changed some some things on how we market, and uh, we've done more online sales now, which has really taken off, and we're uh, we're really selling directly to a lot of the younger folks. I guess you right. call them millennials now. So our whole dynamics. That's one thing about business is it's constantly changing. It's changing. You always got to gotta be. And this looking. is why it's so mm-hmm. important for Charged Up Studio to get this information out to small businesses because they they're so busy they're not paying attention. And the whole reason for this podcast is to get this information out to you so that you can make legitimate educated decisions moving moving into the, the polls in and, November. And you're right. You can get fatigued because when you're the business owner, it, you are the HR department. You are exactly. the billing. You are the payroll. You are the advertising, you know, the marketing. Right. You're the you controller. Are, you know, sometimes cleaning the toilets and mowing yeah. the yard and, <laughs> right. and production. So there's a lot going on. And, and sometimes we have a tendency to focus on what we really like to do and exactly. not look at the others. So we got to multitask, but we also have to stay focused on the big picture, which is exactly. you know, making a dollar. So, Yukon, on the real estate investment side, okay, mm-hmm. what opportunities have you been able to take advantage of that might, maybe there's other real estate investors out there? I think that is rapid population growth in Florida. Right now, every day, more than 900 people move into Florida, right? We're experiencing, many of them move to central Florida. We're experiencing rapid like demand for housing, affordable housing, also many other real estate, you know, opportunities. But in the meantime, investors investor like me also face challenge about the long-term planning, right? So I think we need is think big, and plan ahead. Mm-hmm. If exactly we just it. twist, you know, do a tintling about some small roads, some issues, we need to have a big plan. Also, we need the government to give us like long-term transparency. Mm-hmm. What will this area look like 20 years, 10 years from now? So that with this transparency can attract more investors. Mm-hmm. The more investors come here, the lower the, you know, the cost Absolutely. of the supply will be yeah. for Absolutely. affordable housing. So that is one another area why I want to address. Yeah. And I don't think it's so much that they're not providing this. They're not making it known. Well, it's it's, it's not. It's not user friendly. The information is there, but it's not user friendly. And we talked about we've talked about Mm. blockchain technology on this podcast before. And one of the things that some um, some of the founders of these blockchain technology companies is to address these specific issues. They are collecting data to um, sort of compile it into a user-friendly format. So I actually know someone who's working on developing a system that is friendly for real estate so that when you actually plug in some data on a neighborhood, you can see trajectory, what that looks like in 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years, what the curbside appeal is going to be, the demographics, all of that is being compiled. And so I think there's a famous saying that says ask and you shall receive. I think humanity just is looking for more data, more transparency, more user-friendly platforms. And, you know, that's where um, all these major tech giants, that's how they become so uh, how can I, so monstrous. And I said I with a smile on my face because there was a need, you know. And as we speak, I'm sure there's someone mm-hmm. launching that right now, if not looking for funding. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's another topic that's fun, right? Funding, when you have a great idea, what do you do? Have you had to get funding for your small business when you started and, and what worked for you? Well, when I started, my dad helped me with the first uh, two greenhouses. 
And from there, I moved slowly, but uh, used the, uh, you would always uh, get financing for half the cost and pay cash for the other half was always my theory of doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that was, I, I, I wasn't humongous, you know, it was a small business, so. But you, I, I, you, you went in with a plan. Yeah, you, you went in with a strategy, you mm-hmm. know, in order for turning around, you know, the, the, um, the plants and things like that. You grow some and then you might plant some a little bit later. So you constantly have. And you got to time things very, exactly. very wisely. You mm-hmm. know, if you're, do, if you're doing uh, ferns, for instance, was one of our big products. They sell in the springtime, not so much in the, Valentine's in the fall Day. or winter. <laughs> yeah, you know, so if you're growing uh, poinsettias, which I never did, but if you have those December 25th in your greenhouse, you're throwing them away because right. you're not going to sell them December 25th or 26th if you're growing poinsettias. So right. timing, uh, making sure you get that out the door because if you don't, you know, it's, you're not making money and you're losing money actually. Right. right. Yeah, but I would right. u- usually go either to banks. Uh, uh, farm credit uh, was a source, um, but uh, finance half and pay cash for half is what I always tried to do. Yeah. Did you did you know about these options, though, when you started out, or was this research you had to do? Well, it was, uh, I, I guess, um, I don't know where I learned it, but I just knew, you know, you can go to the banks or credit unions, that sort of thing. Farm credit's kind of nice because it's a co-op of yeah. other agricultural people, and, mm-hmm. and it's a source to go to for expanding the agricultural operations. How about you, Yukon? Yeah, I think uh, I'm fortunately because I have accumulated 20 years exp- uh, like uh, career from Siemens. So I use pretty much my saving. But in the meantime, as Grant said, getting financing is very important. Our system towards small business is, you know, if you're already established, right, you already have credits. Mm-hmm. So you are very easy to get the financing. But if you are not, you know, you cannot easily get financing. The good thing on real estate is the real estate is the collateral. It's the collateral. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's can, exactly you can, it. You know, you can use that, but there's many tools you can use. Right. And so I guess to conduct very thorough research, the financing option is very important. It took me a couple months really figured out. But end of the day, you know, I was able to get financing done. So it, it, it's challenging, but it's, uh, I think in real estate, we have some benefits. It's interesting that you say that you used your your savings to start your business, Mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. And that's where a lot of small businesses, that's where they do. They, Mm -hmm. you know, they they dip into the equity in their homes, their savings and things like that. The problem that a lot of small businesses do run into is they dip into the savings without a plan, without a strategy. And what happens is they end up bleeding money. And before they know it, they've run out of money and Uh there's nowhere else to get it because, you know, their credit's been damaged, you know, and things like that. So, um... You know, what do you have to say, both of you, as business owners moving forward um, to those small business owners that are not paying attention or don't have um, – one of the things I – let me just take a step back. One of the things I tell my customers, if you're going to borrow money, whether against your home or whatever, the money that's used needs to be able to produce more money. Mm-hmm. It's not just invested in capital Per se, you know, and that's how you can make sure that your money is being utilized wisely. What are your thoughts? You know, number one, I think we have to do a good market analysis, Mm -hmm. you know, to ensure you really have viable market. Mm -hmm. You can get money in. That's number one. 
Number two, when you do your financing, the investment, you want to be very prudential. I do not use all my money to for real estate. I still keep. I still kept a lot for my retirement, right?、Mm-hmm. So you you need to have a ratio. For example, maybe use. Thirty、uh, percent of your saving, or up to fifty percent of your saving, but you should not always use one hundred percent of your saving、right. in case your business fails. Right, so you need to make prudential decision on your financing. And make sure that you know we need to let let our audience knows that we no one here is certified financial advisor, so that this advice that we're providing you is just are just suggestions,、Lessons、and you、learned. should do your own research. Lessons learned. I remember、uh, years ago. I think it was a quote from Hillary Clinton. She said something like, "I'm not responsible for under collateralized businesses." And I thought, "Boy, that's pretty callous as a business owner." You know, <laughs> here we are risking, and obviously, you don't want to put、uh, all your eggs in one basket. You know, but、uh, you're risking your own capital. And, Absolutely. And that's、uh, the part I don't think, like I mentioned earlier, we get appreciated for. So if you get the、yeah. return on investments. And we took the risk, and we did the hard work. Then why is you know why why are some politicians going around saying, "Oh, you're not entitled to that"? Well, she puts、yeah. a smile on my well, face. And, yeah, <laughs>、uh, and when you think、uh, about, can, it. can I add one yeah. one、yes. point? We need to take also snowballing approach. You can start small, right? When、yeah. you prove the business is successful, you can grow that.、Yes. You don't want you know start with very big, put all your saving into one you know in、uh, one venture. And and I hear from both of you. Okay, you talked about how you diversify、mm. your spending,、yep. you know, and things like that. And you talked about how you diversify as far as your plants. You know, some of them are springtime sales,、mm. and some might be, you know. Longer lasting, you know that's important too for small business owners to understand. Absolutely, don't rely on one income source. Right. So、mm. it's 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 you know product dependence or client dependence. It's、yeah. both dependency and it's both dysfunctional. It's not sustainable. Yeah, a couple points on that. There's virtually,、uh, as I'm thinking it through, there is nothing. I would say there's nothing we're doing today, as far as product wise, that we did 30 years ago.、Mm-hmm. It's all totally、Changes. different、mm-hmm. plans, different marketing. So everything changes,、um, and the other thing is there was some, there was a tendency to some nurseries to like contract grow for like one of the big you know distributors, and I always shied away from that because I thought I'm not I'm not、yeah. going to hitch my wagon、uh, to you know just one, one source one source of selling. Some、All、would do that, and、basket. I thought I don't want to do that either.、Yeah. So that would have been easier, you know. If, yeah. If, but if、uh, they pull the rug under you, you're You're、well, absolutely, and that did happen. Yeah, and it's like somebody who has a product, and all of a sudden, what is it? The Home Shopping Network、mm-hmm. gets a hold of it, and all of a sudden, that's what's driving. You know,、mm-hmm. I talk to my customers: is it market demanded, or is it product demand? Right. Okay, are you pushing the product, or is the market demanding the product? You understand what the need、yeah. is. It's supply and demand.、Yeah. First of all, you've got to understand: does your product fit? I mean, you look at some of these big giants.、Um, Facebook didn't need to research because they were launching something completely new. Mark Zuckerberg and I talked about this last time on this podcast. Is he went with his gut? Mm-hmm. When his、yeah. gut, some people sometimes some of us are, are, are gifted with a gut. I, I read that Malcolm Gladwell book on、uh, was talking about that and、yeah. how there are products out there that are big that everybody said would fail. One、mm-hmm. is that mesh chair exactly、uh, concept、yeah. that it, nobody it didn't take off at first because everybody thought it looked ugly, but now、yeah. it's the industry standard because they're comfortable and they breathe. So dream big,、yes. dream yes. big, believe、yes. in your dream, and make sure the money is there to support the dream. 
Well, we are rounding the close of another segment here. Boy, that went really fast. And that was so fun. Yes. <laughs> and we wanted to bring a couple of business owners who are also running for political office uh, to talk about their experience as small business owners and what they struggled with, because that's who our audience is. This was a freestyle conversation, which I hope you enjoyed. My name is Sandra Dorsey with Sendor Capital Limited. And I am Dana Oliva with Market Atomy LLC. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you again for joining us and our two guests, Grant Malloy and Yukon Shao. You can reach us at chargedupstudio.live. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We also invite you to join us on Patreon as a supporter for Charged Up Studio. Thank you once again for joining us for this session. Thank you very much for having me. It was a delight. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.